0: We are learning about Jesus Christ, the bread of life. This is found in chapter 6 of John's Gospel. It is one of his great discourses. And remember, along with the miracles of Jesus, the five witnesses of John chapter 5, the discourses I am the bread of life, I am the good shepherd, I am the true vine, I am the resurrection and the life. These things are meant to lay out the case that Jesus of Nazareth is the long-awaited Messiah, and he is also concurrently, simultaneously, the Son of God. So this is John's Gospel, and remember, John had a perspective of Jesus that was unlike anybody else. Very unique, very personal, very authoritative and compelling. So we're going to look at the Bread of Life, Part 2. It's based on John chapter 6, verses 41 to 50. Let me read to you a little bit from this passage. Verse 47 and 48. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof, and not die. This is a rather incredible claim. Eat of the bread of life. In other words, come to Jesus Christ, and you will never die. This is not the only place in the gospel that he says such a thing. He says it also in chapter 8. The fact is, also in chapter 11, Jesus, the bread of life, says that coming to him is your insurance policy of overcoming death. Now, something that I want to point out, people might raise their eyebrows and say, well, that's preposterous. Even Christians die, not just all people. And that's correct. Christians do die. They have been living and dying for the last two millennia. But, of course, Jesus, like everything else, is speaking words of spirit and words of life. And what he's basically saying, as I often point out that when you come to God through Christ, you are connected to the source of all life. You don't get further from God, you get closer to God. And when physical death comes, it doesn't drive you away from God. On the contrary, it brings you even closer to God. As the scripture says, present with the Lord when you're absent from the body. To live is Christ, to die is gain. And that Basically, heaven at this point is full of a great cloud of witnesses who have seen God. They are connected to God. They are more alive now than they were when they walked the earth. And so we're going to learn more about the bread of life part two in this lesson. But it begins with murmuring because basically the Galileans, even though they've been receptive to Jesus much of the time, now when he's getting into the, quote unquote, deeper teaching, they are divided. Who is this bread from heaven? And then they go on to add, isn't this guy the son of Joseph? This is why they were murmuring, as they did. And Jesus, ever discerning, tells them to stop murmuring. It is wrong. Remember, murmuring was one of the five reasons that the Exodus generation never made it out of the wilderness alive. Then Jesus goes on to say, look, the only way you're going to get it about my words of life is God the Father has to draw you to me. Not just draw you to me, but through the Holy Spirit grant you the new birth. Because we're going to learn to be taught by God, and that nobody has seen the Father except the Son, who has come from the Father. Therefore, the Son knows what he's talking about, Because of his proximity to the Almighty, that those that will now believe in the Son will have everlasting life because the Son is the bread of life. Worldly manna only helps a little, but this manna lasts forever. It's now time to read from John chapter 6, verses 41 to 50. Our lesson is called The Bread of Life, part 2. And it comes from John chapter 6, verses 41 to 50. Let's listen carefully to the word of the Lord. The Jews then murmured at him, because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it that then he saith, I came down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me. Except the Father, which hath sent me, draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and learned of the Father cometh unto me. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God. He hath seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. Our lesson is from John chapter 6 verses 41 to 50. And our lesson is entitled the bread of life part two. You know, Jesus is trying to bless people, not just with feeding them loaves and fishes miraculously produced, but giving them real bread that lasts forever. But instead of receiving it gratefully, there's complaining, murmuring, controversy, division. Isn't that what the flesh is so good at doing? Instead of receiving the things of God, it either misunderstands or outright rejects. So let's learn what's at stake here in John chapter 6. And we'll begin with verse 41 the murmuring. Jesus commenced a discourse on being the bread of life. And this is right after he fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. So they should have been so impressed. And they were somewhat impressed to enough that they wanted to make him king by force. But he eluded that kind of premature coronation. And now, They're in this discussion about the bread of life. He is speaking here to Galileans, who normally would be very receptive to his words and ministry, unlike the Judeans, who were of a mixed opinion regarding Christ. Yet even these Galileans were demonstrating the same bad attitude as the Judeans, oftentimes referred to as the Jews. But remember, the Jews are not just found in Judea. They're in Galilee, they're in Perea, They're in little parts of Samaria, although not much, and of course in the Diaspora, the dispersion. These Galileans were really perplexed, so instead of being inspired by this holy man who multiplied the loaves and fishes and spoke words of authority and anointing, what did they do? They began to murmur at his words of life, especially when he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. Well, that's a bit much. Aren't you the guy from Nazareth? Isn't Joseph your father and your mother Mary and your brothers? We know who these people are. I mean, how can you, being from puny Nazareth, in fact, being from a city that probably had no more than 300 in it, in other words, it's a village, not even a town or city, how can you say you came down from heaven." Part of the issue of the murmuring, John 6:42, is because Jesus was the Son of Joseph and his wife Mary were known to the people. Therefore, it was a startling claim that he said he came down from heaven. This is a phrase used six times in John chapter 6, in verses 33, 38, 41, 50, 51, and 58. This man from Galilee is making the claim, the uh, amazing claim of having a pre-existent heavenly origin. Now when you allude to having a pre-existent heavenly origin, you know what that means? You're equating yourself with God himself. How can this, such an audacious claim be made? Well, the short answer is Jesus makes this audacious claim because it's actually true. So therefore, Jesus Being ever perceptive as he is, in John 6.43, he commands the people to quit murmuring among themselves. Murmuring is wrong. Furthermore, murmuring, as I've shared, was one of the reasons the Exodus generation died in the wilderness rather than making it safely to Canaan. Now you can read the five reasons for why the Exodus generation died in the wilderness in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So, stop murmuring. And by the way, may I add my two bits about all this? You can either be a murmurer, a complainer, a criticizer, a vilifier, just basically speak negative and dark about everything and everyone, or you can do the opposite. But think about it if all you do is the negative talk, nothing gets solved. And in fact, the hole that you're digging gets ever deeper. We can change our attitude and instead start praising God and thanking people and trying to see the best in everyone. Sure, everyone has faults and everyone needs their sins forgiven, but at the same time, we're all made in the image of God. We are a reflection of Him to some extent, and we need to recognize that and treat people accordingly. As the old trite adage says, you can attract more bees with honey than with vinegar. So, Jesus is telling them in John 6.43, Stop it. May the murmuring come to an end. And then he describes in verse 44, God the Father drawing them. He explains this clearly. No one can come to Christ except the Father in heaven, the one who sent Jesus, draws them unto the Son. Salvation is solidly by divine initiative. All who God calls will be raised from the dead, on the last day. And that's important. God is drawing people to himself. And let me also assure you, God is not, how should I say, partial, picking and choosing. God wills that all people be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. But depending on where they are, depending on whether they're open, depending on just the sovereignty and grace of God, people will be called by God to, to come to him, I am certainly not sure that all of them will respond positively. In fact, there's a good chance they don't, but many will. After all, we have a free will. If we didn't have a free will, then we can't be rightly judged for actions that we had no control over. That wouldn't be justice. No, God is just in all his ways and holy in all his works. So he does the calling, but it's up to us whether we respond or not. So, all who listen to God, as I said, will be raised on the last day. John six forty five. What do we learn here? Jesus quotes from Isaiah 54, verse 13. They will all be taught by God. It could very well have been part of the synagogue reading for that week, the Torah portions or Tanakh portions, making it fresh in the minds of hearers. Now, Our ultimate teacher is divine. Everyone who hears and learns from the Father by the various methods which he communicates, for example, his word by his spirit, will invariably end up coming to Christ. It can't be any other way. If the Father is drawing people, he's not going to draw them to a variety of different pathways. He's going to put them in touch with the pathway of his choosing, and that, we believe, is the gospel. So we shall all be taught by God. And of course, when we listen to the Bible, we're being taught by God. When we listen to the Holy Spirit, we're being taught by God. When we take to heart the very words of Jesus and apply them, we're not only taught of God, but we are obeying God in the process. All this is part of what we call the fear of the Lord. To come to God, listen to God, obey God, worship and serve God. This is go- the f- godly fear that is so pleasing in his sight. Then, another incredible thing, John 6:43, 43, seeing the Father, Jesus Christ, the Son, bolsters his credibility by his testimony and also by his experience. He has come in proximity to the Almighty. In fact, he proceeded from the Almighty and came to this planet for our sakes. Indeed, he has seen him No one else can make that claim. I have seen the Father. And that alone imparts a lot of things, if you've seen the Father, who apparently lives in a bright and blinding glory, making him seemingly unapproachable. But yet, as we'll learn in Revelation 4, his throne is surrounded by the 24 elders, who themselves have crowns and thrones, but they get off their thrones, cast their crowns, and worship the one that sits on the throne. What an awesome sight that is. John 6:47 Whoever believes in Jesus has everlasting life. Now, we cannot earn this priceless gift of divine forgiveness and eternal life. What we can do is say yes to the free gift, the gift of the gospel the gift of salvation, the gift of forgiveness, new birth, and eternal life. We can receive it by faith and run with it. I believe this truly is God's will. And then John 6.48, Bread of Life. Jesus reiterates the key theme of the discourse. I am the bread of life. Believe in me, partake in me, trust and obey me, and you will have the first resurrection and the gift of eternal life. But there is something more. Worldly manna. John 6.49 Jesus reminds his hearers that the ancient Israelites, the ones who left Egypt with Moses, ate manna in the wilderness, and yet they still died. Yes, the manna was God's, sent from heaven, but it could only satisfy the natural appetite, not the spiritual longing. Finally, John 6.50 The manna Jesus offers which is himself, also comes from heaven. Yet, those who partake of it, he says, will never die. This does not mean the absence of physical death. It means that you will not be separated from God. Physical death doesn't take you further from God. It takes you closer to God. Physical death doesn't drive you away from the source of life. It propels you into the presence of God. So our lesson is called The Bread of Life, Part 2. Our lesson for life is this, come to Jesus, the bread of life, and your interaction with him will result in abundant life in this world and the promise of the world to come.